How was your guys' Seder? Good. Yeah. Drink a lot of sparkling grape juice. Yeah. Oh, the Seder, they drink four glasses of real wine. I'm like, whoa, how do they? <laughs> <laughs> how do they know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of wine. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. Kaylee ate a lot of horseradish. Yeah, she did. Because she likes it. Actually, hang from the ceiling today. Kind of the middle of the right here. Yeah, right there. Are we doing it outside today? Perfect. Oh yeah.
Easter. Happy Easter to you. Good cover, Yank. Yeah, the first one of the season. Wow. 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 I haven't had one. Thank you. I had to avoid Zoe because she would volunteer, so <laughs> we need it here now. <laughs> Everybody brought food. Leftover from the Like, and then, like, 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 like,
today with it being a holiday and all, but um, I'm going to be on this side, so if you're looking, wanting to know where to look, this is the direction for today, <laughs> but um, last week we were looking at the conversation about really pursuit, and you guys all have a little handout here, it looks similar to last week's, at the front at least it has the same diagram. We talked about finding and whether that's with intentional uh, finding people, uh, like going during Welcome Week or reaching out to international students or you know trying to you know connect with the people in your hall or what have you. Uh, in contrast to doing life together with people and that context and that concept there. So. Somebody tell me, anybody tell me a little bit, uh, give me like the six steps to finding somebody in an intentional uh, outreach context. Yeah. Okay, so place yourself, number one, place yourself in a place where you can meet someone. Two, start the conversation. Yeah. Three, get them talking about themselves. Four, bring up your community. Five, ask a God question. Six, and assess what's next. Good. Very good. So we're kind of continuing that conversation, and we are now looking at, okay, you found somebody, either either in intentionally reaching out and making a connection, say, during Welcome Week, or just because you've been keeping your eyes open and how to be a minister to your world. You found somebody that is at a place to maybe take the next step. How do you then fight for the people that you have found? And... That's what we're going to talk about today. That is probably the hardest and most exciting part uh, of this whole journey. It is where it doesn't matter how many people you find. If you don't know how to fight well, it doesn't go anywhere. And the amount 
of feeding, if you want to use that language, that maxim, the amount of impartation that you're going to give is generally in proportion to how well you have fought for them. So everything before and everything after is kind of linchpinned in that middle question, how do we fight? I had a friend, I have a friend, um, who is the Kyle director in Indiana, and I remember just talking with him, I think I may have mentioned this in this class before, but we were just having this conversation and he came from really the church world and is now leading in Chi Alpha, but is still continuing to kind of grow in like, how do we do Chi Alpha and how do we do ministry in this context? And the thing that shook him when he got into Chi Alpha was this realization that contrary to what he had known up until that point, uh, small group community was really for the purpose of keeping people in the door that were coming in. The idea that the church could go out and pursue and fight for people out there and actually sacrifice for people and, and create that sense of going was so revolutionary to him and he said it just changed his entire faith from that point on and his whole understanding of how ministry could look or should look after that. And so we want to look at a little bit of how do we fight, the power of it, how do we pursue it? Who do we pursue after? So once we have brought Jesus up in a, in a conversation, once we have assessed kind of are they interested in community, does there seem to be some kind of connection with us, how do we then take the next step? Um, and let me say this. Pursuit is not the introduction of our quote-unquote methods to moving on to other things. Pursuit is the agenda of relationship as a leader. Always will be. And so don't think this is like, well, this is kind of like phase two of, you know, then I can get them into my small group community and then I don't have to ever do that again. Um, that is where small group leaders typically go most awry is they kind of think, somebody showed up to my to large group, so I no longer have to pursue. I just can invite and that is almost always the death knoll to that relationship. So, um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to Easter LTC. Um, all right. So, so this is going to be something. That is, there's an ongoing journey, and honestly, this is something that if you learn as a leader, if you learn nothing else from us, if you can learn how to pursue people well in your life, you are going to go further in your own life, in whatever career you're in. Uh, you're going to go further and have more impact in your faith, in your family, because this principle is one of the most lacking concepts. One, in society in general. Uh, I read business books for fun. Uh, I'm that guy. Yeah. I also read physics books for fun. I kind of do like history, physics, and, uh, and business, and then always have an ODG as well as the Bible. So that's kind of my diet, reading diet. And, and it's interesting, in the business world, there is, I, can, I can reference multiple leading books today that are all basically saying this is what we need. This is what we're lacking. This is what we're trying to figure out how to create people who know how to pursue. And so looking at that concept, how do we move forward in pursuit? Um, okay, so how do we pursue? And I wanna look at kind of three areas here. How do we pursue with a connection with Jesus? Because our goal isn't just to pursue them, um, to spend a little time with them, but we are trying to pursue them in those kind of three areas that we are most interested in connecting them to. One, our own lives. Two, our community. And three, Jesus. And so look at just with me for a few minutes. How do we pursue people to create a connection with Jesus? And so one thing that we need to do is in our relationship with someone, and again, this is not... You know, step two. This is step two, three, four, 10, 15, 36, 49, 123. You know, this is the agenda. Now, the relationship starts to change. It should start to be both and, ideally, um, but it should always be there. But how do we 
connect people with Jesus? How do we pursue people with Jesus? And one is that we just need to bring him up. It's pretty simple. We just need to bring Jesus up. Um, we need to bring him up regularly. And this, and this uh, doesn't need to be something that is some kind of agenda or check mark, like, hey, I'm hanging out with this guy, so I need to do that. It should flow naturally, because if you're talking about anything, you should want to talk about Jesus. And if you have a thought life that is worth anything, it will come up. Uh, if your thought life, when I say that, my, I mean in the sense of you know your thought, thought life with the Lord. And if you've been reading his word, if you've been thinking about his attributes, if you've been meditating on that truth and letting that sink into your life, then he comes up naturally. But do you let him? Are you intentionally letting him? And there's nothing wrong with also saying, like intentionally saying, God, I think this guy or this gal needs to hear this truth about you. So sometimes it just should come out because it's part of your life. So bring Jesus up. And the thing that people get afraid, well, the reason why people don't oftentimes is because they're afraid. And so learning to let your identity be secure in the Lord, learning to love him by overcoming your fear and letting his perfect love overcome your imperfect fear. And just bring him up. Um, you know, this this is one of those things that when I was doing missions in Russia, you know, you can sometimes feel this this pressure, like, hey, I'm in a foreign country, people, you know, you don't know how they're going to respond to you, they don't, you know, you don't know if you're going to um, get anywhere with that. If I bring it up, am I going to lose the friendship? Uh, am I going to, you know, make this awkward? And the answer is maybe, and sometimes. Maybe you will lose a friendship, and sometimes it will be awkward. But if we don't bring Jesus up, uh, it's as if we are ashamed of him. And we are more concerned about other things than him. And so we should bring him up just because we love him. And when you love someone, you bring them up. Even when, you know, Boys, you got you know the girl that you're just like infatuated with, and your you know brothers are annoyed, you know, hearing about her again, and you know, yes, I know what you know, so and so thinks this, or so and so, you know, does God infatuate our minds and our hearts? So bring him up. That doesn't mean that the relationship has to be about God, uh, because for many people they may not be there. They may have an uh, apathetic faith. They may not have a faith at all. They may become on that journey. And so bringing him up does not mean that it has to be always about God. I'm not saying that. But if you can't bring him up, then are we hiding him under a bushel, so to speak? So just assess your friendship. One, it needs to happen quickly at first because you need to lay the foundation. Lots of times small group leaders don't bring up the Lord much at first, and it becomes awkward to try to invite him into the friendship because you have laid the groundwork of the friendship. If you bring Jesus into the friendship, at times when he's not there, I mean, you know, metaphorically speaking, just in the sense of like the conversation or what's going on or the focus of the friendship, that's okay because you have founded the friendship with the assumption that he's going to be there. The the example that I like to use sometimes with this is is just a it's just a go-to for me. But when we were in Russia, I think I've used this story before. But Dima was this kid that we met that wanted absolutely nothing to do with Jesus, hated America, uh, was just kind of like grew up in a, a very traditional Russian family and perspective of everything. Uh, Christianity was stupid. America was you know the evil of of the world. And if you had asked him, hey, do you think that you would ever make an American friend? He would say, definitely not. <laughs> Until one of his, his best friends became Brent. And you guys know Brent. But his best friend became Brent. And the thing about Brent was that he would, with all of his guys, uh, and he just did it the best of almost anybody that I'd ever seen, at least up until that point, was he would just play video games, and then he would mention something about his thought life with the Lord. And they like they would typically just kind of sit there awkwardly like while Brent asks them a question or shares some thought about the Lord, and they just like, uh, and then they move on. 
But Brett would just always bring Jesus into the friendship. He would make sure that he is always there. And and the friendship wasn't always about Jesus because they didn't care anything about Jesus. But Jesus was always around. And when Brett and I would hang out, that was why community was so critical. When Brett and I would hang out, we would just talk about our thought life. We would talk about what we're learning, what God is doing in our life, what he's challenging us with. And oftentimes, these guys would just kind of sit there. You know, we're having we're eating at Subway and uh, after playing basketball, and we're just sitting there and talking about what we've been reading and what we're thinking about. And who cares if anybody else listens in? But guess what happens? You know, when you have a conversation around a table, everybody else is going to listen in. So guess what? They got to preach that just because we were being brothers in front of them. And so, you know, just make sure that Jesus is in there. One, because you love him, and so it should be natural. Uh, and two, just bring him up sometimes um, intentionally because you know, hey, this person needs to know this. Uh, sometimes it could be a shotgun, whatever you've been thinking about, whatever you've been, you know, whatever. And sometimes it's focused on like, hey, I think you need to know this and, and share that intentionally. But do you have a thought life? Um, ask them questions about themselves and look for opportunities to minister to them. You know, we do these exercises with you guys kind of to just get you to experience a little bit. Um, you know, we talk about the mountaintop versus like the what's what's comfortable to us is typically based on what we've experienced as extreme. And so we're just giving you guys some exercises. This not to be like, hey, when you do an exercise, you know, my small group leader or resource leader tells me to, you know, do this or do that, I'll do that again. The point is like we're trying to get you to learn how to be a minister in your life. Do you know how to bring up bring up the Lord in conversation? And do you know how to look intentionally for opportunities just to minister? You know, sometimes you got guys or gals who just don't they don't necessarily love Jesus, but but you suddenly find these moments to pray for them, um, to to grieve with them. I mean, you know, it's interesting how many times people it's just, it's normal, I get it, but like, you know, how many times I'll ask like a couple questions to somebody and their best friend sitting right next to him is like, really? You know, like, because nobody's been engaging in the real things of life. It's like, how was that test, you know, last hour? Which is fine and good and that has its place. But nobody's ever going like, how's that relationship with your mom going? You know, how is that thing with your brother that you've been stressed about last month? You know, nobody's asking the ongoing question. And so... All of a sudden, you know, the, the close friend right next to him knows less after about three minutes of me just asking a couple basic questions uh, about what's really going on in their life right now. So just intentionally be like, be a good friend. And being a good friend is saying, hey, looking for ways to share love with them and looking for ways to share the love of Christ is loving. So connect them with Jesus by just ministering to them whenever you can and however you can find ways to do that. Um, ask the Lord for a word for them and share it. You know, we did the like kind of the treasure hunting thing here uh, recently and so it was like, hey, go out, ask the Lord for a word for somebody and then share that word with them uh, or pray with them or however you, know, you want to do that. But, but that's great for the stranger. That's good and that Lord can really use that. But if you can do it with a stranger, that's like that's actually easier than doing it with your friend. Um, so it's like a stepping stone, right? But the goal is do it with your friends. You know, we do sometimes we'll do the prayer tent, and I was talking with one of the guys here recently, and it's like, you know, we do this in part. One part of this is because it's it gets a crowd, and we actually get to minister to a lot of people that we just wouldn't have a context for in any other way. And that's good, and that's important. We do that. But part of it is just to get the small group leaders to realize God can speak through you. So if you can, if he can speak to you in this awkward moment when I'm walking into a tent with a stranger, he can do it with your friends. And are you letting him minister regularly? And so that's part of your job as a small group leader is to say, you know, God, what do you want to say to so-and-so this week? When I hang out with so-and-so, you know, whether we're playing basketball or grabbing coffee and, you know, whatever, but am, am I saying, God, how, how can I share your love with them? What would you like to say to them? Are we intentionally, regularly 
inviting God to speak through us. So how do we connect with Jesus? How do we connect people with Jesus? Bring Jesus up regularly. Ask them questions and look for opportunities to minister to them. Ask the Lord for a word for them to share. A scripture verse maybe or an uplifting word. You know, Dima, we did this with Dima um, for a year. And well, actually about six or eight months in, uh, this guy who didn't like Americans and didn't want to have anything to do with Christianity pulled, pulled Brent aside after a hangout with all of us uh, as they were going back to the dorms and said, all right, let's do this. And Brent didn't even know what he was talking about. He's like, do what? <laughs> He said, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. But it was because Brent himself and the community in general had intentionally brought Jesus in, pursued Dima with Jesus. Even when there was this invitation into our lives, and we'll get to that here in a second, but the invitation still in the proximity of our lives or our situations or our community still meant pursuit of the Lord for them in other ways. So we are always pursuing, whether we're pursuing ministry and love of the Lord to them or pursuing them in community or in life. Okay, so how do we connect, uh, how do we pursue them with us? How do we connect them with you? How do I connect to them? Um, And the question you can ask, and I think I even have like just a little simple little fill in the blanks, whatever, but how can I love them? Or another way of asking that is how can I serve them? If you're asking that, I think uh, I think it's uh, Dylan this last year that's really kind of like taken hold of this uh, and really began to ask the question, how can I serve my guys? And when that became his question, basically like how can I be a good friend instead of how can I get them into my group, when he started asking how can I be a good friend to these guys and love them, he suddenly started getting the community that he was always wanting. But it only was after he got started asking that question instead. How can I love them? How can I serve them today? Um, do life together. This is a, a critical um, component of connections with you. Um, this is a core concept of our ministry, doing life together. Small group leaders are always talking about what was most impactful to them was people inviting them into community into their life it is it is time and time again the thing that small group members and people who are most impacted will say is the core reason for why they were impacted was because they were invited into a life not into a small group meeting not into a large group meeting those places have ways of catapulting the conversation and the relationship but are they doing life together? A class, not a lesson, but life. Robert Coleman, Master Plan of Evangelism. We've talked about that book before, but this is as close to a... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's basically kind of like marching orders for, for Chi Alpha. Um, but in it, he says this, It is good to tell people what we mean but it is infinitely better to show them. People are looking for a demonstration, not an explanation. So when we're trying to get people to connect with us, the question is how good are we doing at doing life with them um, and inviting them into our life? Are we pursuing them in the sense of one, pursuing them into their world and two, pursuing them in the sense of connecting them to us? Uh, And so that's a little bit of invitation, I know, but it's it's heavily intentional, and so I kind of put it in this conversation about pursuit. Um, a, a good exercise is write write down um, every component of your life, probably class, uh, family, you know, hobbies, outposts. Hopefully, be in there, you know, but. At, you know, write down every component of your life, however detailed or broad as you want. And once you've kind of written that down, um, write down every component of their life. You know, say, you know, friend so-and-so, 
uh, that you're pursuing? What's their important in their life? And a good question to ask, and this is partially getting a little bit into kind of feed, but it overlaps here, and I just want to highlight this. But ask the question, are they invited into those areas of my life? Do they have a part of that of my life? Do they have a part of that? Or are they only allowed into this hour for Tuesday night and this thing on the weekend and, you know, that kind of thing. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, always and everything, but, you know, guys in my life that I'm most close to see and interact with my family. They've, you know, when I was a resource leader last year, uh, almost every one of my resource guys watched me put my boys to bed at least once. Right, because I want, and honestly, it was kind of intentional. Just because I'm like, you're gonna be a dad someday, and you need to learn how to be a man, and so you need to see how you take care of, you know, these little boys. So, now I don't do that every night because sometimes I just want time with my boys. I don't want anybody else, you know. I just want to have that time with them. But I want to invite these guys that I'm doing life with into that area of my life. And so, do people have a regular um, access to your life? Have you? Potentially open your life in that way? Have you, in some ways, pursued slash invited them into those areas? Uh, and have you pursued the areas of their life? Right? You invite them into yours, but what are their components? Like, hey, they have this, they love rock climbing and you are not a rock climber. Have you pursued that part of their life? Right? Have you connected with them? Have you let them teach you something, is something we say, is a great way to, to grow connection with someone. Let them teach you something. So, write down the components of your life and theirs, and and over time they start to kind of merge a little bit. Those those things begin to overlap a little bit, and that's really where the impact is most felt in people's lives. Um, a simple way to say this, I don't like it to be too systematic, but you can. We, we sometimes say three connections, at least three connections a week, and let one of them be pursuit. At least three connections a week, and let at least one of them be a pursuit. So you can invite them to your weekly meeting, and they come. You can invite them to maybe your Friday hangout with your resource group, or maybe your <clears throat> maybe large group on Thursday night. Maybe they come to you know that. So that's great. But but go hang out with them in the dorm at least once, or go you know. To their work and stop by and say hi or go you know just get into their world let pursuit be a regular part if you have three connections a week it's uh depends on people's busyness and that kind of thing but it is it's a good baseline to kind of say like hey this is sort of a practical goal for me if i can make three connections with them every week uh they're doing life with someone if not you then someone else and who they do life with wins their hearts. And who wins their hearts wins their character and their destiny. Um, and quality of time and quantity of time is how you do it. So sometimes you don't have quantity of time, so you better make it count. And sometimes uh, you know you, you have lots of quali- quantity of time and you can kind of figure it out. But but quantity or quality, and ideally a little bit of both, is always nice. But three connections a week, one of them being pursued, good kind of baseline. All right, we're gonna move on. Master plan again, Robert Coleman says, having called his men, Jesus made a practice of being with them. This was the essence of his training program just letting his disciples follow him. And then later he also says, preaching to the masses, although necessary, will never suffice in the work of preparing leaders for evangelism, nor can occasional prayer meetings and training classes for Christian workers do this job. Building men and women is not that easy. It requires constant personal attention, much like a father gives to his children. This is something that no organization or class can ever do. Children are not raised by proxy The example of Jesus would teach us that it can be done only by persons staying close to those who they seek to lead. So that's your call. That's your challenge. Is do life. These are not. This is not a small group meeting that you 
facilitate your life is your small group. The people closest to your life that you are leading is your small group. And the people closest to your life that are leading you are or peers with you, that are doing it with you. This is this is your community. And so you want to always invite people into your life and up into the community around your life. And so sometimes we say, you know, just in and up. If, you, if it helps you think through it. But or in and out. But um yeah. Do not invite until you first fight. And we talked about that last week, but just to rearticulate that. Uh, again, sometimes invitation just makes sense, and I, I get that. But as a general rule, especially early on, it needs to be focused on fighting. You can invite them into you know whatever thing we're doing in the outpost or whatever event is going on or activity or you know what that that stuff's good. That's important. But but your focus should be I'm trying to fight for you before I start to invite you. I'm, my goal is to pursue you before I try to have you pursue me. And we just see that in the Bible. Jesus, here we are on Easter Sunday, celebrating what? Jesus' pursuit of us, because we would not have pursued him. And we would not have even wanted to. <coughs> we could in our sin. But him coming to us transformed us and transformed our desires. And then he gave us a way to fulfill that desire in that. And so in the same way, you have to pursue people if you expect that they're going to want to pursue you. Um, one of the maxims that uh, I just kind of came up with years ago, so maybe it's not as good, but it's, it seems very practical all, all the time. But it's simply this. Pursue intensely, come across casually. You want to pursue intensely, but you want to come across casually. If you... Pursue casually, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, and if you come across intensely, you're probably going to scare people off a little bit. Um, when I was dating Lindsay, well, before I was dating Lindsay, uh, I, I had seen her once. We had this conversation. Uh, she was kind of in my brother's circle of friends. And uh, I was like, I really felt like there was something there. Um, sometime later I had, I saw her at my brother's wedding, um, and struck up a conversation with her again and seemed like she was interested, although I back then was pretty ignorant on what, you know, girls and what was going on with anything. So I was like, I think she's interested in me, but I, I don't know. I could be totally off. And so I, but I was literally, it was like Saturday was my brother's wedding. I was preaching at a church across the state the next morning, Sunday morning. So I was leaving the wedding, going straight to this, and then I was going from there, I was spending a couple days with my family, and then I was going back down to Colorado. I was going to be gone for like the rest of the year. And so I was like, what do I, what do, I do? Um, and so I came up with this plan to, I hadn't gotten to hang out with one of my aunts uh, very much, during the whole chaos of the wedding and stuff. So I got a hold of her and said, hey, if I came up, you know, on Friday, uh, was that, or Saturday, yeah, Friday. Friday, so I just gotta get this right. Friday, can I, can I come up Friday and see you? And, and she was like, yeah, you know, the girls would love to see you again, and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, okay, so I, then I got a hold of Lindsay and said, hey, I'm gonna be in town. Really, I'm in town for her, but I don't want to come across too intense. Yeah, I just want it to be casual. So I'm like, I'm in town. Who knew? Uh, this weekend. Are you free? I'd like to take you out. And, and she said, yeah, that would be great. So I drive from Eastern Oregon back to Portland. Uh, turns out things actually fall through with my aunt, so I actually don't even get to see her. But that's okay, because that's not really why I'm even going, but I had the excuse. So I go, so I show up, and Lindsay's like, yeah, I'll call you once I get off work. Well, she got off early that day, but but uh, didn't 
call me for a while because she went home and took a shower and took a nap and kind of relaxed. And then like, I'm like actually in Portland all day because I don't know when she's going to call. So I'm like just chilling in Portland uh, because I, I know she may get off early and I didn't know when she was going to call. I'm like, yeah, just call whenever. I'll be there with my family, which actually I wasn't. I was at a coffee shop because it fell through. So I'm there. I don't tell her any of this, of course. You know, just... So she calls me, like, hey, you want to go out? Yeah, yeah. So we go, we have a date, it's a good time, we, it was great. Uh, I get done with the date, I get back in my car, I drive back to Eastern Oregon that night, I get three hours of sleep, and then drive for about 24 hours straight to get to a church service in Southern Colorado by Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Um, it's the only way I could do it. It's the only way I could pull it off. And so... I don't tell her about that till later, and then I got some serious brownie points, right, for that. But, but, <laughs> but at first, I don't want to come across, because I don't know, like, I don't want to like scare her with how intense I am yet. I just want it to be casual and natural and relaxed. Um, and so, you know, and here we are with two kids later. So, pursue intensely. It's going sometimes you have to be really deliberate to make things happen. Sometimes, you know, I, I tell you about the, my friend who, who wanted, who met this girl and she found out she worked at Subway, so she went to Subway every Tuesday when she was there. And she just, you know, yeah, I love Subway. Yeah, it's great. Tuesdays, I just, it's my day. Like, how's it going? And she just, you know, but she got that girl in her small group. And, and at times, you will have to pursue people intensely. But... Don't make it awkward for them. Like you know, you just your goal is to let the relationship develop. Um, so pursue intensely, come across casually. Um, you know, if you go up to them and be like, "Hey, I'd love to have you like in this like small group gathering. We're just going to become brothers and do life together, and it's going to be awesome." And you know, I think you know we could be in each other's weddings someday. How cool! You know, it's like, "Whoa, buddy, who are you again?" <laughs> you know, just, just. Hey, how's it going? And let things develop, but you're going to have to pursue the relationship because if you come, because here's the problem: most small group leaders and most people just in general pursue casually. Well, if I get a chance, I'd really like to try to talk to that person again, but you know, I, maybe I'll see them on campus sometime. Yeah, right. <laughs> but 30,000 students, if you're not intentionally finding opportunities, you know, I would just. All the time. I mean, once a week. Well, more than that, frankly. When I was when I was a small group leader, well, one year I was on staff, so it was, I know it's a little different context. But I would I would go almost probably every other every third day. I was walking by the dorms of each of my guys and just giving them a call. Hey, just walking by. You there? And then half the time they weren't. Dude, cool. How's it going? Yeah, you busy with schoolwork? Cool. I'll talk to you later, bro. Hope you're doing well. And off I go. And half the time they were. And I get to have conversations. And to be honest, because I pursued so intensely, I actually got half the roommates became my guys too. So they're just because I was there. I was pursuing. I was intentionally making it happen. And so there is there is sort of that principle that you can go too far with because we have to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit and of the Lord in our life. But there is this component of us that we just have to make it happen. And if we don't just make it happen, it just won't. And that's just a reality of life in general. You just make things happen. And the Lord, in my experience, honors, he steps in when we step out in that way. Um, Okay. Communicate more personally, not less personally. Um, And I'm just going to say this as a general rule. Texting is your enemy. Um, emails is, of course, I think nobody would really try to do that. But, but here's the way the world communicates. We communicate the least personal way possible, and if necessary, we'll make it more personal. We need to flip that. We, to pursue people, we need to be the most personal we can and go from there. So call. And if it does, and if you don't get a hold of them, then text them if that's better than leaving a voicemail or something. You know, and I, I get sometimes, you know, it's just you don't need to, or it's it's a group thing. But when I was 
I'll tell you, when I was a small group leader, I know that was like, wow, that's so long ago, Nate. Like, did they even have texting back then? Yes, they did. But I would call my guys. Every every small group night, I would call them up. And I I took call up during the day and just say, hey, man, just wanted to invite you tonight to our meeting. We're going to be over here tonight. Like, are you able to come? And I'd just have that conversation with them. And if they didn't, if I didn't get a hold of them, then I would text them and be like, hey, just wanted to invite you. I uh, hope I didn't, you know, awkwardly call in the middle of class or something else. Hope your ringer's off, you know. But, <laughs> uh-huh. but, but I would try, and sometimes I get it. I get it. Life, sometimes you just have to be less personal. But we should, our agenda should be directed at being as personal as possible, not as least, because we, you know why texting is safe, why we like texting is because it's safe. Like, it's, it's not awkward, like, oh, you can't come tonight, oh, okay. You know, like, just be that person. Step out, let them, let them feel pursued. Uh, not like there's some, like, mass text. Um, and, you know, people are like, well, but Nate, it's so, it's cultural, you gotta realize, you know, it's, we're, whatever, Gen Z, or whatever we are now. But, yeah, I get that. But that's because our generation right now is less personal, and we need to be different. So, again, I'm not saying texting is bad, but as a general rule, let's try in pursuit to be as personal as possible. And there's times when it's just practical, and I get that. But whatever way that is, whether that is in calls or personal pursuit, um, but when we're pursuing someone, let's let them feel like they're valued to us. All right, uh, connection with the community. Uh, memory creation. Uh, and we kind of talked a little bit, a lot of these concepts translate over to trying to connect people with community. Um, but oftentimes you can't get your whole resource group to go pursue the one person in their dorm every week, right? Like, hey, for resource tonight, we're just going to go around to everybody's Small group, that'd be kind of cool at the beginning of the year, maybe. But, like, you know, like, try to stop in and say hi for, like, you know, 30 minutes. Like, you know, just practically, you just can't do that. Uh, sometimes you could do that with your research leader or, like, a friend. Like, hey, come with me. I'm going to try to connect with this guy. Um, sometimes you can pursue with community. Um, but in this context, third space is really helpful um, in pursuit. And particularly... There's two things. There's life together and there's memory creation that we talk about a fair bit in small group leading. Um, life together is not something that you will remember in a week from now. It won't be something you remember in 10 years from now. But it is the thing that takes something that is tethered and strengthens it. Lindsay and I, I can't tell you what we did you know, a month from, two, you know, last month from Tuesday. I can't tell you what we did or what how you know what we talked about or but but doing life together keeps strengthening our tether to each other. But that tether is often created through just what we call memory creation, which are oftentimes things they're just they're fun, they're novel, there's something that you will talk about in the future. Remember when we almost died, you know, like I was I was I'm good friends with Scott Martin who's our our national director, and I'm lucky enough to have this friendship with him. But he he was telling me about this last year. He got to go rafting uh, down the Grand Canyon, and and they're level like fives um, all over the place. And he said he he went on this thing. He said I I don't think I've been that close to death in a very long time. Basically, he he uh, the guide said if you fall out of the raft or when you fall out of the raft if you're not in instant in immediate danger do not raise your hand but if you are in immediate drowning danger raise your hand uh, and I'll do my best to save you so <laughs> it's that kind of thing and they they topsized uh, they topsized and and they um, he he was like I, I felt like I was gonna drown but he got himself up and he got himself to shore and they, they were panicking because they couldn't find a guy. And all of a sudden, they there was like this big guy, like a pretty pretty big fella. And he was somehow had suctioned himself to the back of a boulder. Not the front, but like, you know, 
how many, I can't remember how many thousands of gallons a second are like flying by this thing. And he's like holding on for dear life. <laughs> and they're like, let go! He's like, they were panicking for a minute because they didn't, couldn't find him. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's, you know, they heard this squeal, like this big guy. He's like, ah! You know, like, he's holding on for dear life. They don't know how he was doing it. You know, just suction. But like, let go! And he's like, no! Yeah, he was like he was like scared for his life. But when you go through something like that, you become friends. You become friends. You know, there's this something about memories, and I tell guys this all the time. It's like, man, if there's if there's if there's pain involved, now girls, I know maybe not quite as much, but like guys, if there's pain, the potential of death, or the fear of those things. Uh, it's it's perfect, you know. Like, just be careful, uh, be careful. But but just be just have fun. It's amazing what happens when you have just have fun with that. Uh, but make a memory. Memories tether people who would not otherwise be tethered. And life together strengthens those tethers. But life together does not create tethers, and memories do not necessarily strengthen the relationship. I have I have memories with Scott all the time, and and it does by itself it, it does keep tethering us, but it doesn't necessarily strengthen that tether. But when he's talking to me about my life, and we're talking about things, and we're kind of connecting on that life together level, that's what deepens that friendship past that connection. So you need both, and community can really whether you go camping or go shooting or do something stupid, you know. But but memory creation is often done best. Uh, in a group, uh, it can be done one on one, but some of the best memories of my life are often uh, in a group, and we're doing it together and kind of having this this memory creation. All right, so who to pursue? Um, we're gonna just go over this real briefly, but uh, again, we talked a little bit about filtering versus fighting last week. Uh, it, initially, you're wanting to bring Jesus up quickly and assess whether or not they're really kind of open to those three criteria that we talk about. You know, are they open to Jesus, you, and your community? Do they want one of those? Is there a kind of a connecting point that you can work from? Um, because because pursuit takes time, it takes energy, it takes sacrifice, and and you can't pursue the whole campus. So you find you're going to find a lot more connections than you're going to pr- be able to practically pursue. And so you do kind of have to assess people. Uh, again, I'm talking in it fairly clinically. Remember, this is all about like relationship. I'm asking, can this guy be my brother? Is he ready to be my brother? Or is he got that potential? And I'm going to start filtering who I fight for um, at some level based on the assessment, either by God's spirit guiding me or just by my assessment of, of how ready they are for that. Um, and that means sometimes you have to let them not don't pursue them. Um, and again, you let the Holy Spirit guide you always in that. But, but sometimes you don't pursue people um, because to pursue this guy means you're not pursuing this guy. Or you know, so so take the time, and the energy, and the capacity you have and invest it well. Um, fight more for those who respond to your invitations, not less. So this is this is a principle. In fact, this is kind of a principle we kind of talked with we knew intuitively, but we've only recently kind of coined the importance of talking about this fairly recently because we've have found that as small group communities are healthy and our resource identities have, have taken on a whole other level even this year, um, it it can be easy for us to say <clears throat> I got I got this guy, I pursued him at, in his dorm, or I hung out with him, or whatever, in third space, or whatever, and all of a sudden, I, I got him, he came to, like, large group on Thursday, so now I don't have to pursue him anymore, and, it, and we didn't, nobody would say that, but there was kind of this, like, check, I got him, so I'm going to go pursue somebody else, and what would always, almost always happen is, like, a month later, the three guys they thought they had, because they showed up to something once in a while, really they were just chucking things out. They don't have. And instead of like pursuing those relationships to become deeper and closer to them, they they had 
in some ways neglected, not neglected, but they had left them on the side in their pursuit of other people. When you find someone who is, step one, I'll say it this way, step one, assess. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, but assess, is this someone to pursue? And if it is, if this person is, then step two is pursue. Step three, invite. Step four, if they respond to your pursuit <coughs> and invitation, pursue more, not less. And, and at some level, you'll start to kind of cre create this equilibrium um, where your life, you start doing life together. And, and it's not even necessarily pursuit or response, it's just kind of life, right? It starts to merge a little bit. And so step one, uh, you know, connect with them, assess. Step two, um, pursue. Step three, invite. Step four, pursue some more if they respond to your pursuit and your invitation. And then when you have enough people that you can pursue and invite and do life with, once you've got equilibrium to your life and your capacity, then you've got your small group. That's your small group. And, and you should always be looking to minister uh, in your life, but you, you've kind of created this, this nucleus around your life that you're working with and the people that you're most investing in because they've responded to your pursuit and they're connecting into your life. And you guys are starting to do life together. Okay. Any questions about any of that? Cool. Thoughts, comments? Cool. All right, we are going to take a break. But before we do that, I am, I'm actually going to kind of do this schedule-wise a little differently today. But uh, for your practical, let's talk about just announcements for this week. And then I'll let you have a break. And then Ellie's going to be teaching the next uh, section. And then you guys will have your cohort time. But... For next, for this practical this week, you guys are going to lead a weekly meeting. Um, if some small group leaders may have already kind of gotten a head start on this, um, it does not have to be like this week. Like ours is tomorrow night. So I don't think my small group leader knows this assignment yet. That's okay. Don't stress if it's not this week, but it needs to be in the next couple of weeks. And the small group leaders should all know this is coming because they all did this when they were in LTC. So, and, and we've gotten the word out to them also uh, this weekend so that this is, this is what's coming up. So they should all know this, but pr so talk to your small group leader. Um, if, you know, interns, you guys obviously have accomplished this, but um, you want, <laughs> you do it every week, but meet, I just wanna give you a little breakdown. Meet with your small group leader before I uh, kind of talk through, hey, this is my plan. Make sure that they're like, yeah, that jives. Um, and then also meet with them after and be like, hey, ask for constructive feedback. What do you think was good about it? What could I have done better? You're not gonna have done this, not gonna lead a meeting perfectly. Um, so ask for constructive feedback. Always be someone who's growing and learning. Um, if there are multiple people, if, if some of you guys are in the same small group. You guys can co-lead this assignment. Um, the goal of the meeting, kind of three, broadly three things. Brent is going to talk more about the meeting itself, uh, the weekly meeting, but <clears throat> in a couple of weeks. But for this assignment, just some, some points that we're looking for. Um, one was your talk biblical. Uh, that should always be, you know, core. And... Uh, and was it practical? You know, you, you spend an hour talking about, you know, creation versus evolution, right? It, uh, that's that's a fun conversation. I love that conversation. I love that conversation. It's so much fun. But and, and in a weekly meeting, that's not the goal. The goal of the weekly meeting is to help in the agenda of your small group. And your small group's agenda is to do life with people, can, is leaning on each other in the pursuit of Christ, creating a community around your life who are leaning on each other in the pursuit of Christ. 
So, you know, maybe you got a bunch of biology students that are really wrestling with faith because of that. Maybe that would actually be an appropriate conversation. Most of the time, it probably is just like, hey, that's great to talk about uh, at some point and happy to have that conversation, but not necessarily needs to be, uh, it's not super practical to how do I live out my faith this week. Um, did you create conversation within the group over lecture? If you teach for the whole time, that's not the goal. The goal here is, are you good at facilitating conversation? We're not looking for you to be some great expositor of scriptures. Um, we're looking for you to be able to have a conversation and facilitate that, lead in that. Um, did you create a sense of leaning on each other in the pursuit of Jesus as you resource each other in the discussion or with plans to serve each other going forward? You know, maybe you talk about Devo and, you're, and you guys are like, hey, how can we how can we grow in our prayer life this week? And you decide like, hey, a few of us are going to go to the chapel, Danforth Chapel at 7 uh, Wednesday if anybody wants to come, right? That's leaning on each other in the pursuit of Christ. Like, hey, let's help each other do it. Um, or maybe just talking about like, hey, what do you guys do in your prayer time? And maybe you can help each other like, oh, I didn't think about how you know to do that. Like, oh, you know, I know, I know one guy that talks about like he goes on a run and then he prays as he walks back because it's like helps clear his head and he can just focus on the Lord you now after he's ran. You know, so oh, I never thought about, you know, adding physical something to like my prayer time. Right. So just are you helping each other resource each other? Is it practical? Is it biblical? Is it helping each other lean on each other? Is it discussion oriented? So those are kind of the things we are looking for for that. Any questions there? Cool. All right, guys, take a break, and Ily will get going here in a few minutes.